I think the next MonsterVerse Godzilla movie should probably star Honker as Willy the Giant, Dewey as Monstro, Huey as Chernabog, and then Louie as Maleficent. Wouldn't that be so cool? And then Godzilla and Kong can show up. Nah, never mind. That's that's really stupid. Anyway, welcome <laughs> to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Russo and... Tiffany Silverbron. And once again, joining us is Stan. Welcome back once again. Thanks for having me back again. And today we are discussing part three of Dangerous Currency, which is from DuckTales issue six, which was published in October 2011. How is everyone doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, Once again, listeners, we're going to jump right into the story. Sometimes we just can't come up with the pre-talk and it's just easier just to get started, isn't it? Yep. So one thing that's noticeable right off the bat here is that the two DuckTales issues were the ones that were written by um, Spectre and Brill. And the Darkwing issues were only written by Brill. And the DuckTales issues had art by Silvani and Jose Mazzaroli, but only Silvani did the Darkwing issues. And I'm wondering exactly why that was. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? Mm. Not sure. I mean, I do intend when when and if I get a chance to talk to James to ask him that. But my guess it's probably just a scheduling thing because these issues were coming out. You know, issues uh, 17 and 5 came out one month and then 18 and 6 came out a second month. So that's that's a lot of work, right? Yeah. So yeah. maybe it was easier to get somebody else to help James with the art on the DuckTales issues and kind of copy his style. Because if you didn't know there was another artist on the, this issue and issue five, you'd have no idea. It looks just like Silvani. And that yeah. would probably be why this issue and DuckTales issue five don't have all those Disney references in the background, but the two Darkwing issues do. So that makes sense. Anyway, okay, so jumping into part three, I'm going to give Stan the reins because in the very first panel, Stan oh, shouldn't, noticed. Yeah, shouldn't we talk about the covers first? Yeah, yeah, we should talk about the covers. Actually, let's back <laughs> up a moment. Two covers as usual, cover A and cover B. This is the most egregious example of the covers not matching the story. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Tiffany. Tell listeners about what cover A looks like. Um, cover A has the money bin, and it's got a, instead of Scrooge about to jump in, it's got a magic of dispel and kind of a old-timey bathing suit. And you see Glomgold swimming through the money with a super angry face. And we got Steelbeak, and he's surfing on a money wave. We got Quacker Jack in a inner tube. And... Megavolt making that face from the beginning of the DuckTales intro where Scrooge is um, spitting coins out of his mouth. Yep, yep, and, yep. Uh, and Liquidator in the bottom right-hand corner. You can barely see him. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, and I know we've alluded to this, the story for Dangerous Currency was supposed to be completely different, and these covers were drawn up before the story was changed. Apparently, these characters were all supposed to be in it more. Um, and I guess whatever role Glomgold had was completely cut out. 
and Steelbeak isn't in this story at all either. Um, it's a it's a cool cover, but it makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, what about cover B? Stan, would you mind telling everyone what cover B looks like? So cover B has Magicka front and center holding Scrooge's number one dime with Quackerjack and Megavolt to either side of her. And the dime is emitting like these rays. And in between most of the rays, you have a bunch of characters. You got Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Darkwing, uh, Gander, or uh, Gladstone. Glad Gladstone, that's his name. Uh, Herb and Binky, Donald, Launchpad, Gyro, Gearloose, Lil Bulb, and uh, Doofus Drake. Yeah. Uh, Goslin and Honker, and Scrooge. And of and, course, it, it goes without saying that Doofus, Gladstone, and the Muddlefoots don't appear in this story. Nor does Donald. Yeah. Nor, well, not in this issue. No, Donald gets a gets a cameo, as do most of the like tertiary DuckTales characters, but nothing substantial. And the Muddlefoots aren't in this at all. Yeah. But again, I really wonder what the original story might have been, that we have the Muddlefoots and Glomgold on this this cover art. And I don't believe Magica actually ever gets her hands on the dime either. I do not remember, but we'll find out for sure next, next time, because she doesn't in this issue, at least. No, absolutely not, no. So, getting back to what I was talking about, Stan noticed an inconsistency in the very first panel. So, Stan, what is the inconsistency? So, the last panel of the last part, part two, had Honker holding Webby in his giant hands and uh, Dewey holding Goslin. This one, it's reversed. Now Honker's holding Goslin and Dewey is holding Webby. Somebody wasn't paying attention. <laughs> nope. These That's panels don't. These panels don't hook up. <laughs> Not at all. That's a weird. You know, I, I, and I don't. <laughs> I don't see any reason why they would have, you know, passed them off between <laughs> each other. That just doesn't make sense. They're playing hot potato with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and this issue starts off without a recap. It just, you turn, you open the cover and the action's already started. There's not even an attempt to guide the, the reader back into the story. Nope. I mean, there's a lot going on in this issue, so I guess I just didn't have the room for it. Um, but anyway, Darkwing shows up, rescues Goslin and Webby, and his rope snaps that he's swinging on, and Gizmo Duck catches him. So, Tiff, what happens next? So, um, Goslin asks if it was planned, and he says, uh, maybe, which is actually, I guess, closer to more Darkwing and Gizmo Duck dynamic than the previous one. <laughs> oh, for sure. And um Scrooge decides that they're going to go to um to Duckburg instead of going back to Darkwing Tower to um figure this all out because he thinks the tower's compromised and you see He wants I think Scrooge wants nothing to do with St. Canard anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He makes it very clear with his dialogue. He's like, I don't want to look at the hole in the wall Megavolt made. I don't even want to say the word Megavolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to Scrooge, it's probably a really stupid name. <laughs> um, then you see uh, Magica and the Phantom Blot talking about their plan, but um, 
and then a weird cryptic line of the Phantom Blot asking why he's here. <laughs> Maybe it's a meta comment. Like, why yeah, am right. I even in this stupid comment? Why, comment? <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> because Magica says they're going to take all the slime and now transport it all the way to Duckburg. Which seems like a massive thing to do, considering it's all underground. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was the Phantom Blot, I'd be like, why the hell am I even here? Um, so they all go to Gyro's lab. And what bothers me about this issue is that the characters travel to Duckburg, but there are no establishing drawings of the town at all. To like just give readers some idea where they are. Or even to give longtime fans a sense like, yeah, they're in Duckburg. And it's like, no, there's no drawing of the city. There's no drawing of the money bin. There's no drawing of Gyro's barn. They're just in the barn. And it just, it bothers me. Because I wish they would have found more room to just let us indulge in Duckburg. And they don't even bother. And that's yeah. just, that annoys me a lot. Like, more, probably more than it should. But it I mean, does. It's like assuming that you know what it looks like because there's a whole thing where Darkwing's talking about it basically being like a hole in the wall like little shack but like unless you see the outside of it how do you know it's like just assuming that you know what it looks like from watching the show but it doesn't show it <laughs> yeah there seems to be a complete disregard about like the DuckTales iconography I mean yeah. we get to see the towers in Darkwing we get to see the bridge and all that stuff but when they go over to Duckburg there's just no interest in just letting us enjoy that. Um, and then Scrooge pulls out a small vial with ink in it. And Stan, I don't like Darkwing's reaction. Do you? No, me, neither do I. Darkwing's like, what? You old fool, you've doomed us all. Like, it's a tiny bit of ink in a jar. And Scrooge is responsible. Like, I don't understand Darkwing's reaction unless they just keep... They want to keep beating us over the head with the fact that these two don't get along. That's what it seems to be. I mean, Darkwing's the kind of guy where if Honker's doing an experiment on very experimental fertilizer, he'll take the thing and drink it even though he's been told not to. <laughs> yep. Like, this shouldn't bother Darkwing. Like, I feel like on the show, Darkwing would have grabbed that after being told it could mutate him into something powerful and put it on himself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, on the show, he would have gotten splashed in ink and he would have turned into a monster because For that's sure. how Darkwing Duck works. Anyway, so <laughs> Tiffany, what happens next? So Gyro looks at it in a through the microscope because it's like something he's never seen. Darkwing pushes him aside and looks at it himself and you see a bunch of the little splotches of ink and then they all have eyes that all of a sudden look back at him <laughs> and the ink kind of looks like a duck in a fedora and a cape yeah only in that a little bit panel, that's what i thought too <laughs> hmm i'm starting to wonder where this ink came from i don't know about the rest of you i'm getting <laughs> some uh red black and yellow vibes here <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile this comic is really just making nonsense up. Like, it's it's totally making up its story as it's going along. It's like, this is Deus Ex Machina, the comic, in which the one antidote to the ink is Mama Crackshell's insults. 
<laughs> and we see her outside the barn in tight close-up, so we still don't see what the barn looks like, yelling at Fenton, berating him. And the more she piles onto him, the more the ink turns white and is neutralized. Gee, a slimy ink-like substance that responds to moods. Where have we seen that before? Yeah. <laughs> For anyone wondering, Ghostbusters 2 has already done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like how... Even though it's for the ink, Gizmoduck still looks really sad at Mama's insults. Well, if there's one thing Fenton can't deal with is his mother's insults. You know, conceptually, the idea of Mama Crackshell's insults neutralizing the ink is kind of funny, but it's such a major plot point that I just don't buy it. Yeah. If it was first demonstrated on someone else that it was specifically her I think it would have been better but it's kind of confusing that she did it to Gizmoduck first which makes you think it's because it's related it's someone related to him that he cares about you know considering where the ink comes from wouldn't it make more sense to be neutralized by like positivity and love yeah yeah why would somebody being nasty like create that kind of reaction isn't that what the ink would want? What wasn't it breeding hate in one shot in Catankerous? Yep. So to be honest, the more I think about it, the more it makes no sense. What also oh, doesn't make what also doesn't make sense is this radio report. Which Stan, why doesn't this radio report make any sense? So it claims that four giant monsters, which bear striking resemblance to Scrooge McDuck's triplets and another bespectacled boy, have been unleashed upon Duckburg. Now, the bespectacled boy, yeah, that one kind of makes sense. But how do they get the that the Chernabog, Maleficent, and Monstro resemble the triplets? Aside from wearing their hats, there is nothing to tie them to them. No, they don't look anything like the nephews. So, not I mean, who says, they didn't, who says they're just not wearing their clothes? I mean, I guess they were trying to be funny. I'll, I'll give hat. it to them, but. <laughs> yeah. So, Tiffany, what happens following that? So, you see them bursting through the bridge, the three um, monstrous triplets, which I have to say, the monstro one is actually kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> Well, Monstro is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then you see that uh, the gang has created a weapon now using Mama's um, insults to fight these guys. It's like a, a remote control looking thing that will zap her energy at the nephews. And, and we finally get a shot of the shack. Oh, yeah, kind of. It's still kind of in the corner. It's accurate, though. There's a big um, satellite dish on top, which Gyro yep. did always have up there. But it's like, it's all the way off to the side. Yeah, it's not. It's still not quite an establishing shot. No. And th there's like an inset panel that's super tiny of the four monsters attacking Duckburg, but it's so tiny it might as well not even be there. Yeah, yeah. that's very kaiju for sure. <laughs> and when they do attack the four of them, like... This isn't even a fight. Like, it's four panels. They're zapping each of them right in the face, and it's over. Yep. <laughs> like, so these comics... 
these comics are like so much talk and exposition and nowhere near enough action. We do get one kind of fun little callback, though, when Scrooge is administering the antidote, it looks like he's using his his cane as a pogo stick. And he Yay. absolutely is. <laughs> but like a real pogo stick, it has like has like foot bars and an actual pogo at the bottom of it. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> God, I, I love that. that. I love that game. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, can I say something really quick about that? Sure. When I was a, a kid, I used to rent it all the time. I didn't have it for a long time. And um, I played it, and I could only get so far. And I was like, this game is really hard. I just can't seem to get that far in it. So I kept wanting to rent it. And it's because the one that I was renting, it didn't have the um, the booklet in it. So I was ah. playing it over and over and over again without even knowing the pogo jump, which is like the most important move in the whole game. And yep. I like, discovered it on accident and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was playing it without this move the whole time. <laughs> Even if you know about it, it's a little tough to master. But once you really figure it out, that game is so much fun. Also, yeah. Moon Theme is one of the best video game themes yeah. ever. I will say I the actually... DuckTales game is yeah. not that hard. Once you've mastered it, you can blow through that thing in a half an hour if you really want to. But... Between the exploration element and the replay value and the music, it definitely earns its status as one of the best licensed Nintendo games. For sure. Yeah, I, I can't even tell you how excited I was in in that DuckTales 2017 just to get that first little hint of the theme, the moon theme. <laughs> and what they did with it to turn it into the lullaby. Yeah. Man, was that great. was great. I do, I do miss that show. I wish they it had kept going, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. So, all right, I'm gonna rant again. So the boys are turned back, you know, to themselves, and in the next panel, they're at the money bin. The only way you would know they were in the money bin is if you knew what Scrooge's office looked like. Yep. Nobody yep. mentions the money bin. There's no establishing drawing of the money bin. They're just in this office and nobody says where they are, which is really annoying because one of my favorite pieces of DuckTales iconography is the bin. You don't just have the characters be there. You got to show the thing. Even if it was one panel and it's in the background, you got to establish that they're going to the bin because it's a major piece of that show's visual identity basically and it bothers me i don't even mention it so yeah, yeah rant over for now i'll get back to this rant in a minute or two but <laughs> okay so we're about to get a huge exposition dump by gizmo duck who wants to tackle this stan <laughs> all right so he's talking about how about a year ago to his uh, memory though apparently it feels like it happened to him yesterday he was leaving home when Magicka showed up and took him uh, captive. You know, wait, not to interrupt, we don't even get an establishing shot of the money bin, but we get an establishing drawing of his trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what like happens to Fenton? He says that 
I then he says he DVR'd hours of Duckburg's next great window washer for Mama. <laughs> that sounds like something she'd watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what does happen, Stan? So he wishes Fenton wishes he could tell more, and we get a giant Deus Ex Machina of exposition coming from a projection from the Gizmo suit. Yeah, because in his flashback, Magica suddenly appears with a magical candle, and she says she needs she needs his accountant because she plans to steal the dime. And she leaves with him, and that's when yeah, the projection shows up. And this is the laziest exposition dump I've ever seen. Yeah, and it makes no sense, because why would Magica put her whole plan in the gizmo suit? It doesn't make sense, nor does... It apparently is only accessible through the slime, which, again, is kind of another, like, huh? Yeah, it doesn't... See, it's a two-page panel where it goes through her plan. Like, I'll just... I'll do it step-by-step super quick. Like, step one is she's not going to team up with Negaduck again, which she can't do. Right. Step two is the the villainous team-up, which has gone absolutely nowhere so far. Step three is to discover Scrooge's dummy corporation, Quackworks, which I guess Cinnamon Teal helped her infiltrate because she is a spy. Right. Because yeah. they show her giving her paperwork. So I guess Cinnamon Teal earned her keep. Yeah. And step four is to make a base under St. Canard, which leads to step five when they discover the ink, which they discover its properties when it gets all over Poe and turns him into a monster. Yeah. And then step six is to bring the Phantom Blot along, who tells her he's not interested, and it shows a blank panel saying, use plan B to recruit him. It's a success, a tip-top secret. (laughs) You know what this reminds me of, guys? And this is a little divergent, but I'll do it anyway. Um, That South Park episode where the underpants gnomes steal your underwear, and they have a three-step. They have a three-step plan. Step one, collect underpants. Step two, step three is profit. And they (laughs) don't know what step two is. So here (laughs) is like, we don't know how she got the phantom blot to help her. I don't even know if they explain it. And then step seven is to kidnap Fenton. And then step eight is to take over St. Canard. Now, I will mention, apparently, it, it says that she kidnapped him from time itself. So I'm assuming she went back in time to before, you know, yeah. the events of the first issue of Darkwing to kidnap him, which is why the gizmo suit didn't have him with it. Right. Yeah. And at least her grabbing Fenton makes sense because nobody would be able to authenticate that dime as well as a, his accountant. Right. So... Why would she need the dime at this point? She's got ultimate power from the slime. Yeah. Another question. Why would she even bother with St. Canard if it's the dime she wants? True. Yeah. (laughs) She just wants to have a city, I guess. That's like her side mission. Or, Or maybe to recruit the villains to help her. Possibly. So Scrooge gets on his phone and calls Agent 44 again, who we still don't see in this issue. And then Launchpad makes this really cryptic comment. He says, all of them, dot, 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 with all that slime, dot, dot, dot. Is this it? What does that mean? What the heck does that mean? (laughs) 
And then you have Darkwing looking around in a panel with no dialogue. He looks at Scrooge in a panel with no dialogue. And the kids look at them in a panel with no dialogue. <laughs> Honker looks a little off in that one, too. Yeah, a little bit. And then Darkwing finally gets to say, let's get dangerous. But once yep. again, there is no intro in this issue. <laughs> All right, so Tiffany, um, care to tell us what's what they're doing to Gizmoduck in the next scene? Um, they are realizing the effects of the slime, and he has two giant like laser guns coming out of his chest that they're um, setting him up for like a big fight. They're telling him that the slime is still a part of the gizmo suit and the slime can read the suit, which is yeah. why it played Magicka's plans. <coughs> Bull. <coughs> I don't buy it. Yeah, it, it doesn't really make any sense at all. Nothing is making sense at this point. I will say I do kind of like the design of the guns they're doing. They kind of resemble Darkwing's gas gun a bit, totally. especially with the purple coils. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then we get some interesting dialogue from Scrooge and Darkwing. Um, Stan, can you paraphrase this as quickly as you can? So basically, you know, Darkwing's asking Scrooge why he brings the kids along on adventures, saying that Goslin usually just tags along. And Scrooge says that he wants to include them because they'll get a better education than anything they'll see in the classroom. But the real reason is he just can't bear to be away from them for so long. You know, and, and Darkwing says that he has a domestic life and a superhero life and one of my favorite lines of Scrooge in this, he's like, don't be doffed. You just have a life. Spend it wisely. Good yeah. comeback from Scrooge. Mm -hmm. I, I think this might be a little too sentimental from this version of Scrooge, though. Um, yeah. I don't think the DuckTales 87 Scrooge would go into that much detail about how important his family is. I mean, he did in the show, but this is a lot coming from him. To be honest what, six, seven years before the fact, this feels a lot more like David Tennant's Scrooge. Yep. Like, I can see this in an episode of DuckTales 2017 that we never got, having this conversation with that version of Darkwing. Yeah. Doesn't quite work for me here, but I do appreciate the sentiment. This is the one time the two of them have a conversation that I actually kind of buy. Because they're not being dicks to each other, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so we cut to outside in Duckburg. Some construction workers are trying to put the city back together. And then all of a sudden, all the villains show up. The mutated Fearsome Four, the mutated Beagle Boys, and, Amon and Magicka, the Phantom Blot, and Ammonia Pine, Cinnamon Teal. And on weird Camille Chameleon. Scooters. <laughs> yeah, so a whole ton of villains suddenly show up. And, they, you know, the good guys hear on the radio about what's going on. And I do really like Goslin's dialogue here, which is very Goslin. <laughs> um, she goes, what do you think they'll hit first? Toy Factory? Greenhouse? <laughs> Toy Factory slash Greenhouse combo? <laughs> Great little nod to um, Quacker Jack and Bushroot. Yeah. yeah. But Scrooge knows where they're going. 
Guys, where does he is- expect them to go? The, the money, money bin. bin. Which I'll get to it, but it does bother <laughs> me in this panel where Scrooge says it. There's a big white space to his right where they could have easily drawn it in the background to give readers an idea of what he's talking about. We know what the money bin looks like, but you think everybody does? Probably not. So, it's time to get dangerous, guys. And Gyro grabs Darkwing's gas gun to do something to it. So, outside in Duckburg, this bothers me, Magicka pretty much tells the Darkwing villains, yeah, you go handle this, we're gonna go. So, (laughs) once again, the League of Evil amounts to absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Why the heck did they come? It it looks like she's taken not only the League with her, but the Beagle Boys and the Phantom Blot. I don't understand why. <laughs> like, I don't understand why all these extra characters are even here. But I also don't understand why they couldn't have just all fought them. I, I don't... I don't know. Yeah. And uh, uh, once so again, the Fearsome is, Four isn't line. acting like... What, Tiffany? I was going to say, this is the line that I was going to say that I like, that I thought was actually funny. What is it? <laughs> the, look up in the sky, it's a plane. It's unmistakably clearly a plane. <laughs> nice little Superman reference. Yeah. <laughs> so all the, uh, you know, Liquidator, Megavolt, Quackerjack, Bushroot start attacking the Thunderquack. I do really like that Quackerjack's weapon is clearly supposed to be a Nerf gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what is that even supposed to do? <laughs> well, they probably explode on contact or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I really wouldn't be surprised if Bushroot's Vine, because I know Silvani likes Godzilla, I would not be surprised if it was a reference to the movie I told you about last week, Godzilla versus Biollante. Like, yeah. I really wouldn't be shocked, because that's what it looks like exactly. But anyway, so the bad guys are trying to attack the Thunderquack, and Launchpad keeps asking if it's if it's ready yet, and Darkwing's like putting it off, you know, soon, soon, not yet, not yet, it's not ready yet. And so then what happens, Stan? Well, finally, after the Thunderquack takes a few hits, the weapon's ready, and Darkwing tells the the fearsome four to suck antidote gas evildoers. Can I ask what they had to be ready for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it had to be charged. I'm not sure what, why. What had to be charged? It's like the it's like a vial of the the ant the um the ink antidote on top of his gas gun. Yep. What does he got to charge? <laughs> I don't know, but I do want to mention, did you guys notice how Mr. Banana Brain keeps getting costume changes in this issue? <laughs> well, good no. for him. Good for him. <laughs> now that I see that, that's hilarious. But I love that when he sh- he does shoot all the villains, he also shoots Banana Brain, who's like up in the air, like all goofy <laughs> yeah. looking. Yeah. And the shot works, and the four villains turn back into their usual selves um, and disappear from the issue at this point. So everyone's celebrating. They land the Thunderquack. Everybody's happy. Everyone's, you know, part, you know, happy and partying. I mean, Gizmoduck has done nothing. I don't know yeah. why they even bothered yeah. giving him that weapon. Yeah. 
And then all of a sudden, the ink starts to take over Duckburg. And this is where I, I get really annoyed. I just realized that there's two extra wheels on Gizmo Duck too. He's like, well, now all that stuff is really heavy. I doubt he can stand <laughs> upright. Probably. Yeah. Um. So the ink starts transforming Duckburg, and this is what really, really grinds my gears. <laughs> Scrooge, Scrooge screams, "Not my money! Not my money!" First of all, why is that a problem, Stan? Well, because he would never say my money. He'd say me money. Anybody who's even watched a few episodes of DuckTales know that's how Scrooge talks. Yeah. Like, give me a break. It's but secondly, always bless me bagpipes, not me yeah. money. Curse me, kilts. He always uses me. It's, yeah. it's the same thing with Magica. She doesn't talk the way June Foray would have voiced her. Yep. Definitely. So, so anyway, Scrooge is outside clearly outside, screams, not my money, not my money. And then in the very next page, he's already inside the money bin. There is no, there is no sense of space here. Like, where are they in relation to the bin? How is he suddenly there? Wouldn't it have been great to at least shown us one panel of him running to the money bin? Yeah. Just to build drama, I mean, again, the money bin is a very important part of DuckTales and Scrooge as a character. If you're going to attack it, you really have to build up to it. I mean, what episode did you mention, Tiffany, where, like, they did that perfectly? Um, wait, no, that was Stan. Oh, Stan, what episode were you talking about where they did that perfectly on uh, DuckTales? The episode with the Terraformians, where... Yep. They were these like furry ball creatures that were having earthquake games. And there's this great shot where they cause an earthquake and Scrooge is running, trying to get to the money bin before it collapses from the earthquake and the streets breaking apart around him. He's chasing like this jagged crack going there. And it's one of the greatest shots in, in that episode. Yeah. The animation's so good in that. Well, that's TMS for you. And they're chasing it in the limo. Like Duckworth yep. trying to keep up with the, the crack in the ground. Yeah, you got all the like background moving too. And I will reference my favorite, you know, money bin destruction scene. It's the money bin destruction scene to end it all. <laughs> Obviously, it's the DuckTales movie. Yes. Like so that's done so well when Murloc turns the bin into his fortress. And, that, and I was just going to say that evil looking money bin style is pretty similar to some of the art in this too. It definitely, it definitely seems like a nod to it. But I just love in the DuckTales movie, he like tries to jump into the bin to just hold his money and it all turns to stone. And he's like, me money. And it's like, he's so upset and the music just works. But yeah. I feel like if you're going to do a scene in the comic where Magic is able to take over the entire bin with her ink, you got to show the money bin before she does it. You have yeah. to show the ink starting to cover the bin. You have to sell it. And it's like this comic is doing a very bad job of selling it. And it just, it bothers me. Like, probably more than it should, but as a 35-year DuckTale fan, I think I have a right to complain. Yeah. That's just, that's just <laughs> me. Um, so then, we're almost done with this issue. I'll let you take it home, Tiffany. How does this thing end? All right. So then you see... Gyro commanding them to finally use the giant gun on Gizmo Duck, <laughs> and it shoots a giant 
like electricity type beam into the sky and it causes a portal to open up. And we we finally do see the bin, but by now it's covered in ink and you have yeah. no idea what it even is. Yeah. Unless you know. <laughs> Unless you know, yeah. And then we get the big reveal of two characters in the portal, which are Negaduck and Morgana. Which, I'll be honest, it is a pretty big holy crap moment. Yeah. Like, I think the ink looking a bit like Negaduck is a really good foreshadowing. But it's still a great reveal. It's only kind of like that, though, because it's pretty subtle, the ink. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But now everything makes sense about what happened in the campaign Carnage story arc. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because where where did the ink come from? Obviously. It was Negaduck after, you know, after Paddywhack turned him into particles. Um it's it's a cool ending. It doesn't make up for the everything else in this issue. <laughs> but um okay, so let's just jump into our ratings because I get the impression the three of us don't like this one very much. <laughs> Um, I'm going to throw it to Stan for his rating first. So I think this might be my lowest rated issue of Dangerous Currency. I'm going with a one and a half. All right. Um, general thoughts. So I feel like this is the one that just trips and falls almost completely flat on its face. You know, the, there's not much humor. The dialogue is horrible. The plot holes are awful. The, the reasons they give for things are stupid. You know, there's a couple good moments, but not enough to save this comic. Steph? Yeah, I'm going to do give it the same one and a half. Um, I think that the exposition is, like, really, really lazy. <laughs> I, I hate that part where it's the gizmo duck soup explaining you know, like somehow recording like Magicka's plan and even that's already dumb. But then the way that it's explained is just really sloppy and lazy. And um, yeah, I hate that there's not enough DuckTales. It's like, this is the one where they actually go to Duckburg, but then you like barely get any Duckburg. So, yeah. Agreed. I'm also going to give it the one and a half. So we're across the board. We feel the same way about this one, don't we? Um, At this point, the only thing holding this together is the art. And I guess the sheer novelty of it, which I think at this point, that's not even a factor anymore. I think the story is dumb. There's too much exposition. It's all forced. A lot of, like, very convenient ideas, like, oh, yeah, Mama Crackshell's insults neutralize the ink. Boy, that's convenient. <laughs> like, it's it's dumb. It reads like fan fiction. Like, yeah, by someone... Bad fan fiction. Bad fan fiction. Um, and again, the DuckTales stuff gets a very short shrift. It really does. Just a, at least one drawing of the money bin in this issue. That's all I asked for, really. And just, I feel like DuckTales is very disrespected. Just the way Scrooge is characterized, and the nephews don't feel like themselves, and Webby's totally useless. <laughs> like, the was a lot of times on DuckTales, though. 
Yeah, and a lot of the other stuff, like the League of Evil, three issues in, these characters have done nothing. <laughs> like, why is the Phantom Blot there? It's like, nothing makes sense. Um, you see why Disney does not consider this canon. Yeah. And you see why Sparrow and Silvani don't like it. Like, I would, I don't blame them at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one and a half right across the board. So, that's out of the way. <laughs> How about we do one of the little mini episode reviews, Tiff? <laughs> All right. So, again, wanting to relate it towards my feelings of an episode. So oh, no. <laughs> that I don't like very much, that I didn't even like as a kid, and that's Apes of Wrath. <laughs> oh, 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 man, Apes of Wrath. Oh, Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Will hates that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I just think it's just it's weird because I think like most Darkwing stories, even like the ones that aren't that great, if you like read them as like a TV guide description or something, they would sound pretty good. And I think that's true for this for Apes of Wrath too, where. It's kind of cool, just the concept, but it's just done so badly to me. It's like one of my, I think it might be my least favorite. I mean, Darkwing um, in the Jungle Fighting Apes. Yeah. Well, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, and the Jane Goodall references. Um, so yeah, that the beginning of it, same thing as in this comic book. It's like the cheapest, laziest exposition ever. It's like the worst in the show, the way that they like... <laughs> explain what's going on in those for that first scene especially because when it aired see i'm always very wedded to like how the show aired when it aired no one knew what shush even was <laughs> so he names dropped them and it's like wait what's shush now <laughs> but i blame that on like the syndication that the channel who programmed these i don't blame it on the writers but still yeah any other thoughts tiffany before i ask stan yeah, um, Trenchrod is, like, the worst, most annoying villain. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually like Charlie Adler, but I hate his voice for Trenchrod so much. Yeah, I'll give and, you that. And I feel, I don't know, I feel like, like a lot of the jokes didn't hit, even though it's, like, they could have very easily, like, the repeating coconut thing, I feel like could have been funny, but it wasn't ever done in a funny way. Like, none of the jokes really hit. And then that primate punch it's like i don't get it is it supposed to be alcohol it's he has a reaction to it but they don't explain if it's spicy or if it's booze there's just so many jokes that are like just weird <laughs> yeah how about you stan opinions opinions on apes of wrath yeah i'm not a fan of that one i i was never a big fan of current of a uh, trench rot though i did recently <laughs> I did recently say that he actually would have made a decent villain in something else I looked at. <laughs> what but, was that? Joe? Uh, you'll find out in due time. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know, but it, the story just didn't work that well for me. I, there weren't a lot of good jokes in it, and Trench Rot was annoying. Yeah. Okay. So my own thoughts mirror yours. I, it's not a good episode. Um. I don't like Trench Rot. Again, like Tiffany said, I like Charlie Adler a lot. I mean, the man was Buster Bunny. The man owned Cow and Chicken. 
But this one particular voice doesn't work with this character. I don't like him. Um, I don't know if he's my least favorite villain because the King and I see Vanderchill are really <laughs> up there. But I and Lily put two. But I, I think he might be at the top of my list of least favorite villains. Um I think it's I a bad for me between him and Lilliput, probably. <laughs> but at least Lilliput is weird. Yeah. At least he's weird with like the buck teeth and the and the um the, what <laughs> the uh just a funny Frank Welker voice. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um the Dr. Brute thing doesn't do anything for me. And most of the middle of the episode is just Darkwing fighting gorillas. And it's just, it's very, like they're in the jungle, they fight gorillas and they fight, find trench rock, but then they're back in the, the jungle again. And there's more stupid gorilla stuff and there's more coconuts. And it's just, it's so meandering. Yeah. Like, it could have been worse though. They could have added Comet Guy to the mix. Well, that would have been. <laughs> And it's so early in the show that even the animation from Sun Woo can't save it at all. Yeah. Like, it's well, visually bland. Well, I think the backgrounds are better than the last one we reviewed, Paradox, so. Well, that's because it's very atmospheric. I'll give the backgrounds this. Um, but then you get, like, the weirdest out-of-left-field joke when Darkwing puts on the pump sneakers. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention that. It's so dated. There aren't that many things that are, like, dated, I think, in Darkwing Duck. But that is, like, <laughs> ridiculous. And if you're going to do a stupid joke about the pump sneakers, lead it to something. Like, how about one of the gorillas pops it or it has a hole and he flies away when the shoes deflate? He, nothing actually happens. <laughs> yeah. He pumps them and then just runs into the one of the gorillas. And that's, it's not even spoken of. Like, if you're going to reference something <laughs> like that, please do something with it. Yeah. Otherwise, it seems like such a non sequitur. There, yeah, totally. It's like that. And then MC Hammer comic guy. And I don't know. There's not that many super 90s references in Darkwing. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. There was an Aladdin episode where they where they magically became a band and Iago's walking around going, oh, it's hammer time, as Aladdin <laughs> plays the piano with his foot. <laughs> I mean, if Darkwing did that, it'd be dumb, but I'd say, hey, it's Darkwing Duck. But you don't do that on Aladdin. That's weird. It's really well, weird. Keep in mind that Aladdin was a show that had a lot of odd humor like that. Like, didn't the genie turn into Darkwing once? And Scrooge and Bonkers. He turned into a bunch of different characters. Well, if the genie did something like that, it wouldn't be as weird. <laughs> that's true. But Aladdin playing a piano with his feet, that's a little much. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so I don't yeah, I don't like the episode. And I feel bad saying that because it's one of Dev Ross's episodes, but they can't all be winners. Well, I mean, like I was saying, the story, I don't have any problem with the story at all. I just think it was... The specifics? Yeah. And, I, and I'll and I'll give it one thing that I can't really picture the opening of Darkwing Duck without the scenes from that episode. Oh, yeah. Totally oh, yeah. Lots of intro um, scenes. I will say, I will give the animation points for the one bit where he does this crazy Tex Avery take when he finds out he still has the bomb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's really good. Oh. But 
that this is the one thing I was going to say about the episode too. So I actually along like back in the nineties had an opportunity to get the, you know, the coveted Darkwing item, which was an animation cell. But the only one that they had was from, you know, I was a kid, obviously (laughs) my dad. And the only one they had was from apes of wrath. And I just said, is there any way it could be from another episode? It could be from another episode, and there wasn't any, so I missed my chance. But it was specifically because it was from this episode. You know, a <laughs> cell of Darkwing Launchpad and Trench Rot tends to pop up on eBay once in a blue moon, <laughs> but I don't want that. Right? <laughs> I know. Honestly, if I could have an animation cell, it would be of Negaduck. Any villain would be great. Yeah. But, like, the other animation cell I see a lot is the cells of Darkwing with a giant presence, which doesn't correspond to any episode, unless it's from um, a Mutancy on the Bouncy when Cement Head's giving them all those presents, but it doesn't correspond to any shot in the episode. But those are all over eBay. Yeah, I feel like I would rather have a Tuscanini cell than an Apes of Red one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, early episode, at least it wasn't later in the run where it's a lot less forgivable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week we have um, the very final issue in our Boom Darkwing discussion. Uh, Darkwing Duck number 18, which is Dangerous Currency Part 4. We see how all of this wraps up. Hopefully it'll be better than this one was, but I have my doubts, if I recall correctly. So until then, we are the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iTunes. I think we're back on Facebook. I think the Facebook podcast app didn't actually die because the most recent episode showed up there. So, hey, whatever. iHeartRadio, Pandora, Pocket Cast Radio Public, or head over to YouTube and watch us there. Um, Stan, do you have anything you want to plug or how can the fans find you? Oh, I'll mention my two YouTube channels again, DMC Jedi Man and DMC Jedi Man Gaming. Nice. Come check them out. They're a lot of fun. I try and put up a lot of different content. I love your channels. I appreciate that. It's cool, Stan. I'm glad you were able to do all that stuff. And Tiffany, how can the fans find you? Um, I've got my YouTube as well at... Radioactivity and at Carney Tube and um, on Instagram at Tiffany Silver Braun and at Regurgitating Gertie. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, before we go, I want to let you guys know a little bit of secret. Secret here. The whole plan, the Synchronon Files, the plan from the very beginning, okay? Step one, create the podcast. <laughs> Step two, Step three, profit. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what step two is. I'll let you know when I figure it out. The underpants gnomes are still working on that. Um, so until next week, we uh, everyone stay dangerous and have a good day. Take care. Bye. Stay dangerous, everyone. Later. <laughs> <laughs>